everyone. I'm Jamie Bricker. We hope everyone's 2021 is off to a great start. And welcome once again to our ongoing weekly podcast series, Affective Leadership, Positivity Promotes Productivity. Now, since September, we've had weekly discussions on key aspects of affective leadership in which all employees always feel valued, respected, and heard. Now, there's absolutely no question that all of the uncertainties and stressors associated with the ongoing pandemic have made it even more important for all leaders to be truly affective leaders. And it is now my pleasure to introduce my podcast partner and co-host, Jack Barkley. Thank you, Jamie. It's great to be back. And you know, Jamie, our podcast title is all about positivity, promoting productivity. And I think it's important to stress that Effective leaders are typically very successful leaders who surround themselves with quality people who are committed to the overall goals of the organization. Absolutely, no doubt about that, Jack. And that's why we are so excited about our weekly series on affective leadership, now welcoming some of the most successful affective business leaders from all across North America. It's going to be really exciting to hear about affective leadership in action. And these guest leaders are all both highly effective and highly successful. And today's special guest is Javon McCormick, the president and CEO of Scribe Media in Austin, Texas. And it is now my pleasure to welcome our special guest, Javon McCormick. Javon is the president and CEO of Scribe Media, a publishing company that helps individuals from a variety of backgrounds write, publish, and market their books. Scribe Media is a multi-million dollar publishing company that was recently ranked the number one top company culture in America for Entrepreneur Magazine. In addition to his role at Scribe Media, Javon is an author and a highly sought after keynote speaker, delivering the message that everyone has a story to enthusiastic audiences all across the country. Javon is passionate about conscious entrepreneurship and creating opportunities for at-risk youth. And he has also mentored young men and women in the juvenile justice system, as well as those in lower economic communities. Javon, you have a wide range of skills and experiences to clearly bring to the table. You've obviously been a very successful leader. And Jack and I are looking really forward to really getting to know more about your story and what has made your, your leadership so successful and your journey so fulfilling. So a big welcome, Javon. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to jump in here at the end of that, Javon, and just say, you know, that that phrase, everyone has a story to tell is, is so important. And it really caught my eye when I was looking at your website, listening to some of your discussions and so on, because as leaders too, we know we need to get to know our people and our kids and so on in that. And, uh, and it's so, so important. It really sounds like you, you believe in that hearing, hearing people's stories and so on. Um, at this point, before we begin, is there anything else you'd like to add or share about your company and uh, your professional background? Whoa. Uh, <laughs> first, I, I appreciate it, gentlemen, but uh, my professional background, is it's been an interesting twist and turn. I, I, I never, if someone would have said to me when I was 21 years old to paint the picture of where I would be uh, in my late 40s, I, this would not have been the picture. <laughs> so I, I didn't think I was going to make it past 25, but I, I've been incredibly blessed. And, and I, I live on this since we're talking about people. Um, I'm only as good as the great people I'm surrounded by. 
And so if those great people become exceptional, then I'm allowed to be great. So I, I, I'm always a step behind. And, and it, the key for me is how do you surround yourself with, with great people? I, I learned early on, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. And I want to surround myself with incredible individuals that are far smarter than me. Well, what all is, Javon, what all is within your definition of great? Like if you were going to kind of say greatness in a person you would work with or hire equals, what are come, some of the kind of uh, adjectives or whatever that would describe great? Well, so it's all to expand on that a, a bit. So for us, when, when we're going through our hiring process, uh, no one gets hired into the company. I, I speak to everyone before they get hired and that I'm the final interview for everyone before we, we make an offer. And I'm often asked, okay, how do you define success at Scribe? And I said, it's very simple. Uphold the values and principles, perform in your role, drive results. If you're doing those three things, no one cares how many hours you're putting in each day. No one cares if you have a doctor's appointment that takes four hours or if you need to take time off to, to go see your child's performance. There's no micromanaging. If you're upholding the principles and values, if you're driving results and you're performing in your role, great, you're, you're a success. So for me, I, I, I'm going to steal this. I, I, early on in my career, my early 20s, I read a book called Think and Grow Rich. It was by Napoleon Hill. And I heard a story in this book. They had uh, Henry Ford on trial because they said he wasn't fit to run a company that size because he only had an eighth grade education. And so again, I'm paraphrasing, but they were asking him uh, questions about the, the, the Spanish Inquisition, things that didn't matter to, to running his company. And I heard the greatest thing ever. He finally got fed up and he said, look, for every question I don't know the answer, I'm surrounded by people that know the answers. And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. So all I got to do is find people that know the answers. I don't actually have to know them all. And, th and that has served me very, very well. I, I mean, think about this, guys. I'm, I'm the CEO of a publishing company. I can't spell. God bless the man or woman that came up with spell check because they've been influential in my career. Uh, I can't tell you an adjective from an adverb. I, I try all the time to let them, uh, they, they won't let me proofread a book to save my life. They, so they're like, no, you do not get to proofread a book. What I realized is, oh, okay, my strength is scaling the company. I don't have to be the expert in, in book writing. We have experts. We have people that have graduated from Ivy League schools, have MFAs, and, and so on and so forth. So the key for me, surround myself with people who are far smarter than myself. Surround the company with people who are far smarter than myself and rely heavily on, on those people. And then the, to cap it all off, yes, do I make some decisions? Do I set some direction? Yes, I do that. But I only do it after... I have the counsel of those people who are, are surrounding me. So in a nutshell, to right. me, it's kind of that, that metaphor of you're the one who's obviously in charge of the forest, but you're hiring some very skilled trees with very specific things to contribute. And you're kind of overseeing all of the trees without being an expert in any one tree type thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, Jack and I would, I know in our careers, we would agree with you a hundred percent. No question about it. 
So you've answered part of the next thought, kind of, Javon, but in, in a nutshell, then, how would you kind of just describe your overall leadership style? Here, here's, here's how I would say it in a, in a nutshell. No one works for me. People work with me. And, and that's, that's the way you, you'll never hear me say my people, my employees, uh, my company. No, it's, it's ours. And, and, and I'll expand on that a bit as well. We don't have direct reports. If you are in leadership, you are nothing more than a direct support for the people you serve and support. So we never speak to people and say, oh, who, who do you directly report to? No, you don't report to anyone. Who, who's your direct support? Who is directly supporting you in your role? So we're very intentional on the words that we use within the company. So no, no direct reports. Uh, there's only direct supports. If you are in leadership, your role is to serve and support. If you, um, <clears throat> if you go to our website, our company website, and you, you look, the first thing you'll notice is you can't find me. I'm at the bottom of the page and that's very intentional. No. I, I'm nothing more than the, the, the support system for the organization. So I serve and support, therefore I should be at the bottom of the page. And I want you to see all the people who do the work long before you make it down to me. Well, that, well, that's an extension to me. Like I really like too in uh, some of your written material and videos when you talked about the, the we before me. And of course, that's just what you're referring to. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, ch changing tracks a little wee bit, uh, Javon, right now is we're certainly living in quite a year this year. It's a little bit of a shift from what we've just been talking about. But under that idea of leadership and support for others, what changes in your leadership style uh, right now or, or leadership has COVID-19 necessitated? And, and do you envision any of these changes as becoming permanent beyond this year? So it was interesting. I'll take you back to March where we all went to shelter in place. We took a massive revenue hit in March, as, as did most companies. But about a week after we all went to shelter in place, and here's what's key when we're talking leadership. We didn't wait for the government to tell us that you need to shelter in place. We didn't wait for local the local mayor or the governor. to. to we, we were in ahead of the game, if you will. And, and we said to, to our tribe, hey, this is coming. We're going fully remote. We want everyone to have time to prep. If you want to take monitors from the office, take them home. If you want to take chairs from the office, take those home. You know, some of our tribe members have families and children. We, we saw the writing on the wall. So what, what was very important for us is we were ahead of what the government was going to instruct everyone to do. So that was, was step number one. A week afterwards, it hit me because you immediately started hearing about layoffs and furloughs and, and things of that nature. So I made the, the announcement to our tribe. I said, look, no one will be laid off during the virus disruption. No one. No one will be laid off. And, and it was a bold move because, again, we took a massive revenue hit in, in March. So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty that was on the horizon uh, and, and we were in the incredible position that April, we had our second highest signed revenue month. Uh, we beat that in May. We beat that in June. We beat that in July. So uh, business has been great for us. But from a, a pure leadership standpoint, it was very important for me that our tribe members, we call ourselves a tribe, uh, they knew that 
they were secure. You know, many, many of our tribe members, they had family, spouses, partners that were being laid off, that were being affected by, by this. And I, I just felt a deep responsibility that people could have peace of mind to know that there will be no salary reduction, there will be no layoffs, there will be no benefit cuts. You are safe and sound as far as it pertains to scribe. Right. And, and that in itself is, is quite amazing because I would imagine you would have people, we're all, we're all going into an unknown at that time and people would be really not assured or there'd be anxiety. And to have that in a leader, that there's got to be that trust component as well. Jamie and I have often talked about this as well with, with leaders and building that with your employees and, and so on. So uh, it's quite amazing to, to, to hear that. To piggyback kind of on that point, Javon, and I, uh, like, like I know a big issue for many organizations revolves around the working remotely. And some employees, for example, have loved it. Some have found it kind of more stressful in other ways. But from a leader's point of view, many organizations, as I understand it, have struggled with kind of that, that monitoring piece. Is uh, obviously there's a lot more kind of autonomy kind of working offsite. But I know the way you know, based on your comments the last few minutes that uh, I don't think that would really change your philosophy at all. Like you would have full trust in your people. And it, it's, it's interesting. So we, I, I wrote a piece and it got picked up <laughs> by CNN and, and, and anyone who knows me, I, I've always had this mentality. I am not a fan of remote work. And when I say that, I'm not a fan of fully remote work. So long before the virus disruption, we've always had a company structure that if you want to work from home two days a week, great. If you want to come into the office three days, or it's, it's kind of a three-two split, if you will. And you pick whatever that three-two split is. But there, one cannot deny, and you're starting to see it even more now, People miss the social aspect. People miss the community. So when I did this piece, I wrote that um, we would never be a fully remote company ever. And, and, and I caught so much blowback. You're, you're a, excuse my language, you're an ass. And, and, and so, so many people were up in arms. But now here we are in December. And, and those very critics uh, of me are the ones that now realize Oh yeah, this this remote thing and people not gathering and coming together and community and the social aspect—it's taken a massive toll. So for us, again, I'll go back to the beginning. Hours work don't equate success. So if you can perform in your role and drive results, and you can do that two hours a week. I don't care if you're down on Town Lake here in Austin paddle boarding through the day. Uh, in fact, I'm going to come hang out with you and find out, okay, how are you doing all this in two hours? So it, it's it, hours work are not impressive to, to us. Are, are you upholding the principles and values? Are you driving results? Are you performing in your role? Outside of that, doesn't matter where you do it, how you do it, what time you do it. Just the, those are the, the, the definitions of success. Okay, so... With those, with those kind of parameters in mind then, down the road, at some point, at some point, everyone's going to have a vaccine, et cetera, and life is going to be, quote, back to normal. How do you envision the mix of remote versus on-site among your employees, say, a year from now? And, and related to that, Javon, are, like, are your employees going to have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a choice? They may have found remote works really well for them. It may be a real struggle. 
So how will it look a year from now and how much say would a given employee have like in your, in your mind right now? So, so they'll have the, the same say that they had before we went into the virus. We, we already had this split of, uh, you know, three, two, two, three, what, whatever it is. You know, you come in on Monday, Friday, you come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever the case may be. We already had that. So we were prepared for this. So we'll just keep that party going, if you will. Right now, on any given day, there's 15 to 20 people in the office. I'm in the office right now. There, on any given day, there's 15 to 20 people here. We have a uh, subset of our tribe who are not comfortable coming into the office. And so they've been fully remote since March. Great. We support them. We've asked them, what can we take off of your plate? You know, we've got a lot of parents that, you know, uh, two parent working home, they have children, they're doing distance learning. So we want to find out how do we support you in, in, in this and accommodate in, in many ways on making sure that you can still perform in your role, but you can also be a great parent and a great spouse and take care of all those things you need to that don't just pertain to work. I find it very, I'll say crappy, I won't use foul language, I find it very crappy of companies who put this immense amount of pressure on people to still drive uh, next level results when they know what's happened in the world. They know there's two parent homes. Uh, broadband is weak. You got kids on Zoom calls over here. You got your husband or wife on, on a call over here. And so the internet's being taxed and, and you got two kids running around. And, and that's just not fair. That, that's just not fair to, to understand the dynamics of where we are as a society right now. Well, my, uh, my last point on this kind of general topic, uh, Javon, is obviously you are very much the servant leader. You're very much a people person. Uh, just on a kind of a personal level, have you found it uh, a lot more challenging? Like, to me, you're right in the pulse of your organization. That, that's just so clear. Like, I can, just, I can just feel the pulse coming out of you. Like, it's just so genuine. With all of the remote workers, have you found, like, how have you found it in terms of Kind of, I guess, keeping in touch with that pulse and really feeling connected to people. How how is how has that adjustment been? So, so we use a, in, in, here at Scribe, we use a communication tool uh, called Slack, and so you know we have access and we you know instant kind of an instant messaging type thing. And so I'll reach out to to our tribe members. Hey, miss, miss seeing you in the office. Do not feel pressured to come in. Just wanted to, you know that I, I was thinking about you. Is there anything that I can assist you with? Just say the word. And so I check in with people frequently, find out if there's anything we can assist them with. And that's, you know, that's how we have to stay connected right now. But I feel that in my role, I have to stay visible. Back in March, so many CEOs and leaders went and hid and, and ran in, in to the hole and they were nowhere to be found. And I feel that in times like these, actually always, uh, leaders have to be visible. That if you're not going to be visible as a leader, then, then don't take the chair, don't take the letters. And, and here, here's a really important part to me. If you are a CEO, 99.9999% of the decisions you make should never be for you. If you ever find yourself making decisions for you, walk away, leave the role. Yeah, well said, well said. Now, John, really interesting. Like, as I say to Jamie, I can, I can feel that support that comes out of you for your workers uh, and, and uh, the people in, in your company and that. I'm thinking in this time of um, 
where people are challenged personally and professionally with the events of this year and so on. You talk about reaching out to them. Are there any other things that come to mind where uh, not just you personally, but the company has been able to support them in this time and moving forward. And it's a two part question because I want, I, I think of you as the leader too. You got to take care of you to, to take care of your people and be visible. As you say, how do you do that for you as well? So I'll start with the first part of that question. Here, here's something we, we did in additional. Obviously, I said no salary cuts, no benefits cuts. But this is something we had in place even before the virus disruption. You, know, you got a lot of people who have pivoted and, and put things in place because of the virus. But for me, the, the real measurement is what were you doing for the people you serve before the virus? So here's something we had in place. I read an article here in the States and it said the average, uh, 45% of Americans don't have $400 cash spare in case of an emergency. And, and I grew up that way. You know, my mother was on welfare and, and, you know, there were times where I would eat lunch on a Friday afternoon, my free government lunch, and I wouldn't eat again until Monday free, free government lunch. So I, I, could, I could relate with that article. And I thought to myself, that's absolutely ridiculous. And, and then based on my background, I was in payday loans. And I realized the, the spiral effect of how that keeps people trapped. So I said to myself, okay, let's do this. As a company, we're going to put in place an emergency fund so that if someone has an emergency, no questions asked, we, we have a $1,500 emergency fund in place that anyone can come in, say, hey, I got an emergency I need to, to tap the emergency fund. No interest. You don't start paying it back for 60 days and then you, you make payments on it until it's paid off. But it was very important to me that people, again, have that security of knowing, okay, if all hell breaks loose and an emergency comes up, I know the company is there to support me. Imagine just being able to drive around with that type of mentality to know, okay, I, I'm good. No matter what happens, I'm good. Right, right. It's a lot of stress off, no question. Sure does. So how do you take care of you? Wow. So how do I, <laughs> sure. I, take, I take care of me? So, so life for me, I, I've, I've done my best to try to make it very simple for myself. Uh, life is five pillars. God, health, family, business, and investing. If it doesn't fall within those five pillars, I don't do it. I, I, I like to believe I've made a few dollars in my lifetime and that I could afford ESPN on the DirecTV subscription. But the fact of the matter is, unless Tom Brady is sending me part of his $20 million contract, I don't care. So I, I, don't, I don't watch the NFL. I love golf, but it takes four hours to play a round of golf. I'd rather spend that time with, with my children and, and my wife. So it, it's, I've, I've simplified my life and I'm, I'm just, I'm, have the incredible uh, blessing that I love what I do. I love business. I love to study why companies make the decisions they do, why, why leaders make the decisions they, they do. So I, I have the incredible blessed life that I truly love what I do and I love to, to study business. So that, that's, that's how I take care of myself. Now, I won't lie, uh, I, 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 I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any drugs. But my God, I I I love I love McDonald's. 
I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. Most people won't own it. I'll, I'll own it. So yeah, it, it's uh, my my vice in life is I love uh, crappy food. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a balance. Well, the formula you are entitled to the odd happy meal. Okay, <laughs> you give so much joy to the world in the workplace. You are entitled, my friend. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Sorry, the formula you're using, sorry, Javon, I'll just finish through there. The formula you're using is certainly working. I just wanted to add, top, add on to what Jamie said there, for sure. Jamie, oh, absolutely. Ahead. And Javon, as we're kind of wrapping things up, uh, really kind of the, the last thought, Jack, and I would like to kind of discuss with you is really in a nutshell in this very, very unusual 2020, what have been your biggest overall leadership challenges? And then let's move the clock ahead three, six, nine months. Like, what do you think will be the biggest challenges throughout 2021? I will say this. If you asked me this question five years ago and you asked me this question five years from now, it'll be the same answer. Finding great people to surround the company, surround myself with. You know, 2020, yes, has it been a challenge. Uh, business is a challenge. And I say this to people all the time. Business itself isn't hard. The numbers, the structure, the process, the hard part is people. On any given day, you never know what people are going to do. People are the most unpredictable thing in the world. Think about this, gentlemen. We can tell you when a Category 5 hurricane is going to hit the coast what time, what day, wind speed. We can tell you everything about this hurricane, but on any given day, you don't know what a person's going to wake up and do. So um, the, the hard part of business is the people aspect. And I, 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 again, I, I'm a very simple-minded person. People, process, and profits. If you have great people, you can build great process, you can make great profits, and as a bonus, you can do great things for the communities that you serve. Well said, yeah. Now, in our, in our very, um, once again, different year, I just wondered with your, like, I just loved your, your, your ending there, and it's kind of resonating with me now, but I'm thinking too, like, has the whole issue of resiliency in, like, who you have really kind of uh, maybe hired or turned to in the past nine months and then moving forward, Due to all the uncertainty, I just wondered, uh, like, is resilience like a, a even a greater priority to you in your people, in, in people you're working with, than it would have been a couple of years ago since we're in such a tumultuous time? Uh, very much so. And, and I love the, the word res resiliency. I actually did not know what that word meant until uh, about 18 months ago. And when, when someone defined it for me, I realized, oh, wow, okay, my background of growing up was, was res resiliency. So it, it's, uh, yes, so, so I have surrounded myself with an executive team that those are the people that I know I can count on no matter what. And, and it, it's, and they know they can count on me. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll give you a story. One of the individuals on our executive team, one night, uh, this individual was, was out downtown Austin ha having a great time, as people uh, that age do. And for whatever reason, <laughs> their phone accidentally called me at one o'clock in the morning. And so I saw it and I saw the name. So immediately, you know, I picked it up, but no one was there. So I kept calling back, calling back. And 
I sent a text and I said, hey, is everything okay? Let me know. I'm awake. I'm sitting in the car if you need me to come pick you up. And they, one, they, they called me back completely mortified that, oh my God, I called the CEO at one in the morning. But <laughs> what was important is they understood that regardless of day, time, no matter what, that, that I'll always be there uh, for them. And I was sitting in the car waiting to go if I had to go pick this individual up. Or, or as I said to, to them, if I had to bail you out of jail. <laughs> so um, it, it's the resiliency, I believe, is also built on being consistent and showing people that you are truly there to serve them in, in any capacity and not just in a work capacity, but in a human people capacity. Oh, so true. Like, uh, and I just thinking your your story about the the one a.m. phone call. As we all know, in many organizations, you know, someone calling the CEO at that time of night that would be what we call a career limiting move. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, in your case, it's just a complete one eighty in yes. terms of the, like it's just a beautiful um, reflection to me of the strong sense of team and the strong sense of mutual trust that you've got so richly, firmly embedded across your organization. So, uh, you know, Javon, once again, thank you very much for joining us because it has just been a, a very rich uh, discussion. We've learned a lot and uh, you should be extremely proud of your leadership and your organization. Yeah. Gentlemen, I, I appreciate that. It, it's, uh, I, I stand by it. I'll always say it. I, I'm only as good as the great people I'm surrounded by. The, uh, it, it's funny how many people will highlight the, the CEOs and, and, you know, when you win awards as CEOs and things of that nature. And I said, look, if you want to give me an award for something, give me an award for hiring practices because I have figured out how to hire great people to surround myself with. I go, don't give me an award for CEO. Give me an award for hiring. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Javon, listen, I'm going to echo a few of uh, just what Jamie said there too. First of all, as a thank you for your time with us, but see some of my takeaways, there've been so many today, but just um, your approach to leadership um, and as I say, serving people and being supportive as that team member. And then your whole approach in a, in a really difficult year uh, is something we're very interested in and we really appreciated hearing your thoughts on that, let alone your journey uh, to where where you are right now and, and so on. It's been really, really re rewarding for us and, and I want to thank you for your time today. I appreciate that. And, and gentlemen, I'll, I'll end on this note and, and wrap up. Uh, it has been a challenging year. We all, we all know that. Uh, but I, I always keep things in, in perspective. And if you give me 30 seconds, here, here's what I mean by that. It, both of you as, as principals know this. What really pained me, because I was one of these children, is we had this massive debate here in North America of do we go back to school? Do we reopen the schools? Do we do in-person school? And what really pained me, actually hurt my feelings, is we were really having conversations for the kids who had the option 
to go back to school. We weren't having conversations for those kids who don't have an option to go back to school. The kids who were on free lunch and the only meal they got each day was at school. The kids who don't have internet and can't afford internet at home and don't have an iPad. We weren't talking about those kids. And that really bothered me because I'm like, you've completely left out a whole segment of society that these kids don't have an option. They didn't ask to be born into their situation and we're not even having a discussion for them. We're having a discussion for essentially my, my kids who have that option that, oh, there's three iPads at the house, there's laptops at the house, there's broadband inter internet at the house. And that, that really pained me to see how we as a society and as a people treated the, the lower economic communities. And then to, to take that a step further, although it was a tough year, again, I keep things in perspective. When you see how many people are in line for the box of food, and when you see how many people are unemployed, you, you take a look inside in the, in the business that you're in and you realize, okay, I, I can figure this out. Well, well said, John. You are such a powerful and articulate advocate for people who have faced and continue to face extremely challenging situations. And as you say at the end, like as you said it uh, at the end, like it just also reinforces the whole word of perspective. Like, yes, it's been a challenging year for everyone, but let's face reality, it has been infinitely more challenging for some than others. Yes. And, and thank you for also bringing, along with your leadership, thank you very much for bringing that really strong perspective to, uh, to our discussion today. Excellent. Thanks. Yep, thank you. Well, gentlemen, I greatly appreciate it. This is, this is uh, I, I'm humbled and flattered. I'm, I'm still somewhat even perplexed that people want to listen to me. <laughs> oh, no, we do. Oh, trust me, we do, and we, we're certainly glad we did. Thanks again, Javon. Thank Thanks. you, gentlemen. Thanks again to Javon McCormick for joining us today and for sharing your story. It's so clear to see how your examples of servant leadership and surrounding yourself with the right people support and strengthen your team. Javon is clearly a strong advocate of effective leadership. Well, you know, Jack, like two closely related comments Javon made will really resonate with me for a long time. First, I just loved his strong belief that he is, quote, only as good as the great people I'm surrounded by. And then he extended these thoughts when he said, if these great people become exceptional, then I'm allowed to be great. And I mean, Jack, these two statements to me, like they just speak volumes, both about Javon's leadership priorities, but equally importantly about his obviously like profound humility. I mean, he is truly a servant leader. Yeah, it's so true, Jamie. Couldn't agree more. And on behalf of both of us, we thank Javon for joining us today. And next week, we're looking forward to talking with Michael Otis, the founder and president of Double O Incorporated in Byron Center, Michigan. He is another very effective and highly successful leader. And thanks everyone for joining us today. And just another reminder that we will be continuing our series of discussions with very impactful, affective leaders from all across North America throughout 2021. Just like to remind everyone that our podcast is posted on a weekly basis, and there will also continue to be a weekly blog on LinkedIn. And please continue to look for our overall series 
Affective leadership, positivity promotes productivity in both of these formats. And please feel free to connect with Jamie and me on LinkedIn. We welcome our listeners' feedback and also any suggestions for future aspects of affective leadership that you'd like explored. We can always be reached at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And Jack and I look forward to connecting with you again next week on Affective Leadership. Positivity promotes productivity.